The fire of your coming, the glory of your presence, we shake the earth and every heart will know. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel, Defender of Zion. Shalom and welcome to Heart of Messiah Radio Broadcast. My name is Steve Weiler. And I'm the lead rabbi of Shoresh David Messianic Synagogues. Currently, we're serving in Wesley Chapel, St. Pete, South Bay near Riverview, and Tampa. We welcome all visitors as we desire to see those who are Jewish and not Jewish worshiping together in unity. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM 570 WTBN and 910 WTWD, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. In these days of unrest, stay with me and we'll talk about it. But let's pray first. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King. Lord, I believe that prayer leads us to endeavor. So we are here to pray so that we can endeavor to follow you, to be directed by you, to to just really sense your direction and your power in our lives so that we can truly represent you well, Father. Lord, we pray in the name of Yeshua that you would just pour out your spirit of anointing on me as I speak and, and those who are listening, Father, so that we can come on common ground and, and just do the most we can do to follow you. So, Lord, we bless you, we praise you, we honor you, and thank you. In the name of Yeshua, amen. So, by faith, last week, uh, we re-upped our commitment to this radio broadcast for another year, uh, because the last year was in the red. So, I pray that if this radio program ministers to you, you'll consider either a monthly pledge or a one-time gift. Call Karen at 813-831-5673. That's our office. You can go to our website as well, heartofmessiah.org. So I appreciate your prayerful and financial involvement. So before we begin this morning, I'd like to have you shake your arms in the air. That's a different kind of request, isn't it? Okay, and as you're doing it, I pray it will symbolize shaking off the history and all the things you think you know so that I can speak to you as a clean slate this morning. (laughs) Okay. Now, my heart is to find the heart of Messiah and speak from his point of view. So before we even talk about some of the issues, let's hear how Yeshua taught his disciples in Matthew 5. And I'm just going to read the first part of each verse. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the, are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. 
Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. So, I hope that all my listeners this morning feel blessed (laughs) and uh, keeping those thoughts in mind, which are Yeshua's thoughts, I'd like to address the unrest in our country. And my first question, of course, would be, are you part of the problem or are you part of the solution? I believe everyone has a part to play, some smaller, some larger, but everyone will either help or hurt the current situation. You know, as a Jewish believer who um, commemorates Yom HaShoah, which is the remembrance of the Holocaust, there are certain quotes that we say each and every year. Uh, one of them is that all that is necessary for triumph, uh, to, for the triumph of evil, is for good men to do nothing, right? And we know that doing nothing is not acceptable, right? And then we also have this quote from Martin Niemöller, who was a pastor in the German Confessing Church. He spent eight and a half years in a concentration camp, and he wrote, First they came for the communists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a communist. Then they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out, because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. And finally, as we commemorate that particular uh, day, or the the, uh, understanding of the Holocaust, there are three main themes. Number one, never forget. Number two, never again. And number three, never be silent. So, Is this resonating with you? Maybe you honestly don't know what you can do to make the situation better, but I pray that as I speak, God will enlighten you. But I I hope that already resonates with you, and you see the similarities between then and now. Okay, I'd like to read to you a statement that was made by the Messianic Jewish Alliance of America, and their leadership. So here, here's, please listen closely. I, th- I think it's a, a great statement. The leadership of the Messianic Jewish Alliance of America and the International Alliance of Messianic Congregations and Synagogues, on behalf of its respective constituencies, would like to express our deep sadness as we stand together in one accord with the national heartache over the tragic death of George Floyd. Our heartful prayers are with the family and friends of Mr. Floyd, and we express our most sincere sympathies in unity with our African-American brothers and sisters who currently lament the sorrow of the centuries-old struggle against racial hatred. As Jewish people, we know the pain of not being treated 
on an equal basis by others. We are well acquainted with the inhumanity and suffering that results from discrimination and persecution, which historically has given rise to the death of so many of our people. We stand in condemnation of the heinous act committed by those who wrongfully took Mr. Floyd's life. As Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. famously, famously said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We could not agree more. The tragedy in Minneapolis has touched us all. As Dr. King well knew the Bible teaches us many principles of how men ought to live. But none is more fundamental nor urgent in our time than the word that Yeshua gave us concerning the brotherhood of mankind. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. That's from John 15:12. We who love America and believe it to be a nation greatly blessed by God must nonetheless recognize how much our great soil has been stained by the sin of racism. Although America has made meaningful and important strides forward in advancing the civil rights of all, it is sometimes difficult to imagine if or how the country can ever overcome so great a sin. Yet we have hope, as Scripture declares, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, 1 Peter 4.8. We love our African-American brothers and sisters, and do hope and pray that Mr. Floyd's tragic and unnecessary death will perhaps bring people in this great country to a place of greater love and understanding. We are all children of the same Creator. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Our heartfelt prayer is that we can come together at this moment and humbly ask Almighty God for the healing, restoration, and renewal we so desperately need in America today. He has told you, humanity, what is good and what the Lord is seeking from you, only to practice justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's from Micah 6, 8. And that was the, what, what they said. I believe this was written with compassion. I believe it was written uh, the way one walks a mile in, in the shoes of the black community. And I believe that the primary objective of this statement was to stand with the African-American community against racism and to emphasize and support their concerns. Now, I understand there were no comments on the violence, the looting, the insurrection, the whatever, because it was felt that by doing so, they would risk misinterpretation by some, not only in the African-American community, but others as pointing an accusing finger, thus mitigating the impact of the statement. So I, I hope you would agree with that. Now, um, Martin Luther King said this in one of his last speeches, and it, it's, it's like right out of 
what's going on today. In fact, I remember that time well. In 1968, I was living in Baltimore, and uh, I remember the the police and and the National Guardsmen on the street not letting us go out for a couple days. I don't know how long it lasted, maybe two, three days. But at any rate, Martin Luther King Jr. said this, Now, I wanted to say something about the fact that we have lived over the last two or three summers with agony, and we have seen our cities going up in flames. And I would be the first to say that I am still committed to militant, powerful, massive nonviolence as the most potent weapon in grappling with the problem from a direction, uh, a direct action point of view. I absolutely am convinced that a riot merely intensifies the fears of the white community while relieving the guilt. And I feel that we must always work with an effective, powerful weapon and method that brings about tangible results. But it is not enough for me to stay, stand before you tonight and condemn riots. It would be morally irresponsible for me to do that without at the same time condemning the contingent, intolerable conditions that exist in our society. These conditions are the things that cause individuals to feel that they have no other alternative than to engage in violent rebellion to get attention. And I must say tonight that a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last 12 to 15 years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice and humanity. Okay, so that's a lot to take in, I realize. But um, please let go of your politically charged ideas and ask God for the kind of compassion that caused Yeshua to die for our sins, that caused him to teach the Beatitudes and to love your neighbor and even your enemies. Your reaction so far could be, well, what about the rioting? What about the defunding the police? The looters hurt the very people who the protesters are standing for. Why are they lifting up a, a, a hero, a, a man as a hero who was a criminal? Uh, we can't help ourselves. We've been brainwashed by the media, and regardless of whether we hear the liberal side of the media or the conservative side of the media, neither are the heart of Messiah. So, do you see where I'm coming from? We need to have the heart of Messiah. Our thinking, our speech, and our actions they must come from the heart of Messiah, not from our culture, right? So, starting with the thought of Micah 6.8, people who have killed and looted should receive justice, right? Yeah. People who have experienced generations of discrimination, I believe, should receive mercy. 
And all of us should walk humbly with our God. So what does that look like? How do we show mercy and walk humbly with God concerning the unrest in the black community? Before I offer a solution, let me give credibility to the plight of the black people. In Exodus 14.10, when Pharaoh drew near, B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. So they were terrified, and B'nai Israel cried out to Adonai. They said to Moses, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness because there were no graves in Egypt? Why have you dealt with us this way to bring us out of Egypt? Did we not say to you in Egypt, let us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians? It was better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the wilderness. Look, there is a culture of slavery, and it is hard to get out of slavery. The people who became free are usually people of faith and hope. The people who remain slaves, um, even after being given freedom are people who can't see God. They, they have little hope, and they allow Hasatan to speak lies into their lives. I'm thankful for so many of the, the, uh, our black brothers and sisters in our country who have been able to break away from the slavery mentality. Um, you know, it's... Uh, it's really difficult. There's so many who are still in that mentality, and they find other ways to compensate, whether it's gangs, drugs, crime, whatever it is, because they have no hope. They see our system as keeping them down rather than raising them up. This is something we have to pray about. We have to realize that we can be part of the solution. Even as a white Jew whose father came to this country with nothing, but I grew up in a healthy love for this country, a healthy family. It's people. Um, I've loved being an American. I love even our system of government with all the problems. Though I have experienced some anti-Semitism, it was not that bad, and I just ignored it. However, what would it have been like for my parents if they had stayed in Austria? And assuming they would have lived, I remember going back with them um, some years ago, and they remarked that nothing's changed. There's still, they could feel all the hatred for them as Jewish people. We have to understand and have compassion for the power of our environment and our experiences in our lives. If we're going to show compassion, we who are people of faith must listen and take seriously what people in the black community and others who are underserved are saying. We must have hope and we must provide hope. Let me say this. If our faith does not lead to hope, we don't have faith. You want me to say that again? <laughs> if our faith does not lead to hope, we don't have faith. If our faith and hope does not lead us to love, we don't have faith and hope. First Corinthians.
Corinthians 13.13 says, But now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The ability to love comes from our faith and from our hope. I saw this firsthand over 50 years ago. My first full-time job out of college, I taught for four years in a high school where all the students were black and the faculty was about 90% black. And many of the black teachers would moan and groan about the kids and how they weren't respectful and didn't care about learning. That's similar to today, right? These uh, faculty members had lost their faith and hope and couldn't seem to share their love for the students. This was the most frustrating part of teaching at that school. I was too young and naive to have experienced the loss of faith and hope and love. And along with a few other teachers, I believe we really touched those students. One of the black teachers at this school had the best marching band in the city year after year. Yet even though other teachers could only murmur and complain, we saw great victories with our students. And I believe they experienced genuine love and they saw that they had a reason to hope and they made great strides. Even if you're not working in the trenches, you can make a difference with your words and your attitude. Are you willing to bring your faith into every conversation, your hope into every conversation, your, your love into every conversation? conversation, or are you going to be like a TV news commentator who comments about the unrest, the violence, the government, and etc.? What are you saying to your family and friends? Let's see the heart of Messiah through his word and apply scripture to our lives. A couple scriptures, Romans fifteen thirteen. now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and shalom and trusting so you may overflow with hope in the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. Or 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God, Father of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. In his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Messiah Yeshua from the dead. In Romans 15.4, For whatever was written before was written for our instructions that through patience and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Look, in Philippians 4.8, it says, finally, brothers, and, and in the middle of that verse, it says, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any virtue, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Actually, speak on these things, right? And look, uh, we see so, there's so many scriptures to share. Ephesians 4.29, let no harmful word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for building others up according to the need, so that it gives grace to those who hear it. Or Proverbs 12.18, the tongue of the wise brings healing. And Matthew 12.36, I tell you, the day, in the day of judgment, men will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. 
look, if you can't work in the trenches, find a good ministry that is doing the work of serving the underserved and support them with love offerings. Our congregation's involved with a couple of trench ministry type things. We feed the poor, we go to the police, feed them lunch and pray over them. But we also give money to other ministries that do great work, and I pray we'll be doing a lot more in the coming week. Well, I pray that you are inspired to to get into the middle of this. I, I pray that uh, you will help us financially, uh, our program, and I pray that the Lord would be your first priority, and may you grow in your desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. Lord, I just pray that you would pour out your spirit on each one who is listening in the name of Yeshua. Amen. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. 